to Now and Then, Flatow Academy Theater. This is episode two. Wahoo! And they said it wouldn't last. Once again, we present a power-packed podcast on the past and present of our palatial palladium. Someone slap me. Enough of the peeing. And at my age, I tend to say that a lot. But I digress. We are once again coming to you from the studio at the Boys and Girls Club of Kawartha Lakes in beautiful downtown Lindsay. My name is Randy Reed, your congenial host, and I will be moderating this little shindig in what we hope will be both informative and entertaining. We've got some wonderful folks to talk to over the next little while. You'll be hearing once again from Craig Metcalf, the general manager of the theater, and from Ian McKechnie, sharing some background information on the creation of the Academy Theater Foundation. In addition, we have big news. We have our very first official sponsor. The Chamber of Commerce of the City of Kawartha Lakes has jumped on board to support this worthwhile effort, and we could not be more pleased. We will have much more on the Chamber shortly. Our friend Ghost Mary is also back with us, and she'll no doubt be popping in and out throughout the show. So, let's get at it. Our first guest is Craig Metcalf. Craig joined us in the studio to discuss upcoming events at the theater. We're here with our friend Craig Metcalf, the general manager of the Academy Theater, and we're going to be talking about some of the upcoming events that are happening in the theater. Craig, welcome back. Hi, thanks, Randy. It's great to talk to you again. Thanks. Um, we're in December now, so Christmas is on everybody's mind, of course. So I know we have a big Christmas spectacular show coming up. Yeah, Pete Paquette and um, his friends, uh, there's three different acts in the Christmas Spectacular. That's uh, the only Christmas show this year at the Academy Theatre, so I encourage people to check it out on our website and and come and see it. It's a, a Pete Paquette is an amazing musician, and it'll be a great show. And I understand he's got a band with him and, and backup singers, and, and it's a whole extravaganza. It is. It is. It'll be uh, uh, one for the books, that's for sure. That's great. That's great. I know um, when, you, when you talk about Christmas shows, um, I know that you had some cancellations because of uh, COVID and, and a variety of other reasons. Yeah, we, we did. We normally have a fairly full December, but this year um, it's, it's, it's a lot lighter than it would normally be. Um, but, you know, I, I look f- uh, forward into 2023 and I can see the bookings are starting to come back. So sure. I'm hoping for a normalized uh, year next year. Wouldn't that be nice for all of us? Yeah. And one other show that's happening in December? Yeah, on December the third, we have you can come back. It's a it's a great evening of uh, local bands, local talent. Good night, sunrise. Looking for Heather, Sean Jameson, the Ditch Lilies. Um, I encourage um, everybody to come out and have a great time. These are bands that have been unable to play for a couple of years. Everybody's had it uh, a, a difficult time, artists and technicians especially. So. Um, it'd be great for the community to come out and support these local artists. Absolutely, that's great. Jeff Gutteridge uh, from Looking for Heather is a former student of mine, and I had a nice chat with him that you'll you'll hear on this podcast as well. We um, know that you've got a, a nice big name coming in February. Oh, he's one of my personal favorites. Um, we're on February 16th. We're uh, pleased to uh, welcome Kim Mitchell to the Academy. Mm-hmm. Theater. I believe that's the, the first time. Uh, 
it's, Has he not played there before? Um, don't hold me to that, but yeah. not in uh, in recent history anyway. No, it's been a while. Um, yeah. And I know he's he's uh, still got Peter Fredette on bass with all those great vocals. So uh, you you'll you'll not want to miss that one. No, he'll be doing his rock and roll duty mm-hmm. for sure. That's great. So, Craig, I'm sure since you've been at the Academy Theater, you've had a run-in with our good friend Mary the Ghost. Yes, I've had uh, several encounters with uh, Mary over the last uh, few years that I've been here. Hi, Craig. Oh, it's so nice to finally be able to meet you. Wow, I've never heard you speak before. That'll be great to be able to talk to you. It's wonderful to see you. But you know, Mary, I left my keys on the stage this morning. And I know for a fact I I did that while I was working there, but I've looked everywhere and I cannot find them. Well, that's so interesting, Craig. I wonder why anyone would want to steal your keys. Well, you're kind of tricky from time to time. Oh, I don't know about that. So is there any way you can help me? Mary, I know you did it. Row H, seat seven. Oh, thanks so much. You've made my day. Following up on our conversation with Craig, we are pleased to be joined by Jeff Gutteridge from Looking for Heather, one of the bands involved in the big show on December the 3rd. I met with Jeff at his home studio here in Lindsay. One of the fun things about doing this podcast has been the uh, the ability to contact people that I haven't seen in a long time, and this young fella is one of those. I had the pleasure of teaching this young man when he was... Uh, just a pup back at Central Senior in uh, probably the late 80s, so it's been like 35 years. I'm talking to Jeff Gutteridge, and he's going to tell us about a concert that's upcoming at the Academy. Jeffrey, nice yeah, to see you. Yeah, you too. It's it's funny how things like this bring people back together. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so December 3rd, um, we're going to be doing a show. Uh, my band, Looking for Heather, we've been playing in the area for almost 28 years now. And uh, we decided that it was time to get back on the Academy stage. It's been about 20 years since we've played on the stage. Um, We did do one show there in the lobby at one point. But anyway, we decided we wanted to get back in that beautiful room. And so we invited some friends uh, to join us. Uh, Phil Heaslip and his band, The Ditch Lilies. Uh, Sean Jameson, who's also a teacher here in town at my daughter's school, Alexandra. And then we brought our friends uh, Goodnight Sunrise down from uh, the city. Uh, and those guys are doing some great things right now. I highly recommend checking them out if you haven't already. Check out all the bands. Uh, but yeah, we're we're going to be doing that December 3rd uh, here. And uh, we're, we can't wait. Terrific. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, looking for Heather, I know you've probably been asked this a thousand times, but where did the, where did the name come from? It's not nearly as in, as interesting a story as I think people would want to believe it is. Um, I'll tell you exactly where it came from. We we started this band in the mid '90s when we were you know just coming out of Central. Uh, me and Jay Bose, who I think you taught him as well. Yep. And uh, we used to be called Liars for Hire, and we were a sort of a punk metal band, like all you know young kids. We didn't really realize the nuances of music. We were kind of just slam banging around, and. Uh, as we evolved musically, we decided that the name needed to evolve as well. And uh, one night, my brother Jay and Jay Bose and I were sitting around trying to figure out, we wanted to keep LFH, 
the initials as something, but we wanted it to stand for something else. So we were sitting around and spitballing names back and forth. And I said, how about looking for heaven? And the guys who looked at me and went, that's all right, but it's a little churchy and it's not really rock and roll. Yeah. So my brother said, what about looking for Heather? And we kind of like, is it in the flower? Is it in the girl? We weren't really sure. We're still really not sure, but that's kind of, we all went, yeah, okay, that'll do. And on the posters <laughs> it went. And it's kind of been that ever since. Funny thing is though, I kind of like the name Liars for Hire better now. <laughs> Jay and I have talked about that over the last little while. Like, maybe we should go back to Liars for Hire after 28 years, probably not. Oh, that's great. You guys have been really heavily involved in the recording part of the business, I know. You do live shows as well, of course, but but the recording end of it is, has been very important for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're in my studio here right now um, talking, so we have our own studio here in Lindsay, uh, which is really beneficial. I mean, I've been a recording engineer for about 25 of those 28 years, um, and so having that ability to do that, and I've had a myriad of bands through this studio over the years. The studio started at my parents' house over on Orchard Park Road. Um, but, you know, I've had everybody from, you know, all the local bands have come through, all the guys from the Strombellas, I think, it's, all the local guys at least have been through that house at least once, <laughs> including, you know, Simon when he was first doing the original Strombella demos. Right. You know, and uh, all the various bands those guys have been in, they've all recorded at that house. And I've sort of been a bit of a curator of the local music scene for, for many, many years. So, you know. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's terrific. Well, good luck with the concert. I hope it goes well. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And uh, we'll hopefully talk in the future. Absolutely. Good luck with the podcast. The first episode was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. are sponsored. We are very excited to be able to say that the Chamber of Commerce here in our area has decided to sponsor our episode. Joining us is Alyssa Adams, a former student of mine and one of my favorites. Just to give you a little heads up, right before we decided to record our chat at the studio, Alyssa said she would love nothing better than to be able to correct me on air. Well, Within 10 seconds of our conversation, she got her chance. All right, this year is um, a couple of significant anniversary years. First of all, um, it is the 60th anniversary of the Academy Theatre Foundation, and it's also the 60th anniversary of the formation of the Chamber of Commerce here. And with us is the chairperson from the Chamber, my friend, Alyssa Adams. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Randy. Nice to have you with us. Oh, I'm so fortunate to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. We're going to talk about the chamber. Um, the chamber formed in 1962. And tell us just a little bit of an overview on what the function of the Chamber of Commerce is. Yeah, absolutely. So not to correct you, but I am the executive director of the Chamber of Excuse Commerce. Me. <laughs> um, so the Chamber of Commerce is its entire purpose of being is to support businesses in our catchment area. And our district runs from Omimi down to Bethany and Pawneepool over to Little Britain, Oakwood and Woodville, and of course, Lindsay proper as well. Um, so we support over 280 businesses within that catchment area for things like promotion, uh, professional development, advocacy. Uh, we provide 
really comprehensive benefit package that chamber members are exclusive to be able to take advantage of. We do so much stuff, and I've been trying to grow it more and more since I got into this position in March, and we have a lot of cool new things happening in the new year. That's terrific. And how did you become involved in it? Um, I have been in this area my entire life, as you well know, and uh, the position for the executive director came up uh, when my predecessor stepped back, uh, Colleen, who had been in the job for a very long time and had done so many wonderful things. So uh, I actually joined the board of directors first, and I was just a board member. And uh, when this position came up, first I thought it might be a little icky if I applied. Um, but after some time and talking with the board, they said they'd give me a chance to, uh, to put my hat in the ring, and I did. And look at that, I ended up being the successor. So so um, very pleased. It's been a, a challenging eight or so months, but challenging in a good way. It's definitely not been anything I wasn't prepared to take on. And I'm so fortunate to be in this position at such a young age. That's great. Yeah. And what type of celebrations are you having during this 60th anniversary year? So we've done a few things throughout the whole year. Um bringing back professional development uh, like Lunch and Learns has been one thing that I really wanted to do because I feel uh, educating our business members by using other members of the Chamber of Commerce and their expertise is really important. But this past summer, we had uh, our birthday party in the park down at Old Mill. Uh, we had some musicians come out. Uh, we had all a whole bunch of member businesses, lots of family fun things, and it was all free to the public uh, and exposure for our members. And that's right beside the Academy Theatre. Exactly, exactly. Where did the chamber actually set up house? Because I know they aren't now where they used to be. That's right. I mean, we've had a ton of homes. So currently we're in the old town hall right at Kenton Cambridge Street, right in the heart of downtown Lindsay. Uh, but at its inception, we actually had our own little building right in Victoria Park uh, by the armories there. And that was torn down eventually. Um, and I don't have the full history on that for you, unfortunately. But uh, we definitely were a standalone organization at our inception with our own little building and our own little licensing office. Uh, we moved over to where the paramedics are now on Victoria Avenue beside KLPS for a while. We've been down at the end of Kent Street, right on Lindsay, um, where I think I think there's a financial planner in there now. So we've moved around a lot, but we found a really great home uh, in Town Hall because another aspect of what we do is uh, tourism enhancement in the city of Cortha Lake. So being in Town Hall and being able to greet tourists and provide them with information has been uh, a really neat opportunity for the Chamber of Commerce and for the businesses that we support as well, because a lot of them rely on tourism and rely on those tourists to come in and shop in their stores and, uh, you know, maybe even have certain services plow their driveways or clean their pools, any of that kind of stuff, right? Right, right. Well, that's great. So give us an idea of what types of things that the, the, the chamber and the, the academy would kind of go hand in hand. Well, I think the coolest thing is that the Academy Theatre Foundation and the chamber were both founded in 1962. And if you look back a little bit into some of the history of our town here, a lot of things happened that year. And I haven't been able to put my finger on why all those things happened. But there had to have been some very instrumental and influential folks in the community that really wanted to see it thrive and really made that happen. So, um, you know, the foundation has been a member of the Chamber of Commerce for a number of years, uh, and we support the arts, we support culture, and we support all of those things. And as you well know, as a previous teacher of mine, that's something that I have a passion for, too. And I want to continue to grow and foster that relationship, not just for the Chamber and the Academy, but for our community as well. So people know what's going on, and we can be a, a vessel to help spread the word. Every bit helps. Every bit helps. That's for sure. Absolutely. Alyssa Adams, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Oh, Randy, I can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me. 
Once again this month, we are pleased to welcome Ian McKechnie. Uh, we are going to talk specifically about uh, the formation of the Academy Theatre Foundation. Welcome, Ian. Thank you. Um, I guess before we talk about the actual foundation being formed, we should talk about um, the, the time period kind of leading up to that and why the foundation was so important. Yeah, so the Academy Theatre in the late 1950s was becoming a shadow of its former self, if we can put it that way. Uh, it was threatened with demolition. There were a combination of factors that, uh, that led to that, not least the emergence of uh, competing cinemas. So we have to remember that in the starting in the 1910s, really, and continuing into the early 50s, the Academy Theatre was also a movie house, showed moving pictures. So Century Cinema, where a lot of our listeners will have gone to enjoy a movie, it opened in 1951, and it had 750 seats. And then just down the street here, the uh, Kent Theatre um, also showed movies, and it could accommodate up to 300 people. Together, they could accommodate more moviegoers than the Academy, which at this point in time, so we're talking mid-1950s, had a seating capacity of 708 and another novelty called television was also drawing people away. So why bother going to pay for live entertainment at a theater or even go to see a movie when you could simply turn the TV on in your living room? So those were um, sort of some of the business factors. But as far as the building itself was concerned, in the late 1950s, there were few, if any, protections afforded to buildings of historic or architectural significance. Dozens of landmarks throughout Ontario were indiscriminately bulldozed or torn down in order to accommodate an automotive-centered infrastructure, specifically parking lots. And apparently, there were plans afoot to replace this building, the Grand Old Dame of Lindsay, with a parking lot, if you can believe that. Wow. The foundation was formed in 62-63, somewhere around in there, and... Um, why was it formed? Well, the Academy, by the late 50s and early 1960s, was not completely abandoned. I said a moment ago it was a, becoming a shadow of its former self. Uh, it hadn't closed entirely, and according to some literature circulated by the Academy Theatre Foundation in 1963, the building had in fact been used but it was only in use 14 times over the course of the 62-63 season with a rental rate of $150. Wow. So it was, it was there, people were using it, groups were using it, but it wasn't being used nearly to the same extent that it had been 10, 20, 30 years before. And do we know who owned it at that time? Was it still Hymean involved in that? I'm not sure if it was Hymean or if it was someone else. Um, it had undergone some changes of ownership. There were also businesses that were located on either side of the, the lobby. There was right. an optometrist on one side, there was a, a florist on another side, um, and they, you know, they would have contributed probably to the rent of the building. But it was um, probably like many old-style theaters at the time, it was... Uh, in need of some TLC. Right, yes. Not a, an inexpensive building to keep keep going, that's for sure. So in 1962-63, uh, 
a fellow by the name of Dr. Service came on the scene. Yeah, uh, and Dr. Service, his first three initials were CWM, uh, but he was known to most as Bill, an abbreviation of William, William Service. He was a local surgeon, and he was very well known for his boundless energy and enthusiasm in any project that he got involved in or undertook. So he saw a lot of potential in the old theater, and he joined forces with numerous prominent movers and shakers in the community, lawyers, businessmen, etc., and together they formed the Academy Theatre Foundation. So the foundation was put together basically to save the theatre along with um, probably changing the direction of the theatre from what it was as a movie house as well. Yeah, I think by the 1950s, as I mentioned a moment ago, there was literally a proliferation of, uh, of movie theatres in Lindsay. And also by the 1950s, if you wanted to go out of town to enjoy a movie, you could just hop in your car or take a train and go to Toronto or, or perhaps Oshawa and enjoy, uh, enjoy what was on the big screen. So the Academy Theatre Foundation was formed to say, hey, we could do something with this theatre, but we might want to revive more live theatre and not put all of our eggs in the one basket of short movies. Exactly, yeah. So they formed the foundation, and then the other key thing that happened in the early days was the uh, Women's Guild. Yeah, so the, the Women's Guild uh, worked together with uh, members of the Academy Theatre Foundation board, and besides Dr. Service, that board also included uh, Mr. Lawson Blakely. Uh, it included a, an R.G. Thomas, and he worked uh, at a bank, Victoria and Gray Trust, um, and it also included uh, A.B. Patterson. He was a local lawyer. Um, he served as the foundation's secretary, and I believe he was involved with the um, local Progressive Conservative Party as well. Mm -hmm. And these gentlemen, uh, they were supported in their efforts by members, as you said, of the, of the Women's Guild. And here we are today meeting in the Guild Room, which is one of their uh, outstanding legacies. Absolutely. And they were basically, the Women's Guild, were ba it was basically the fundraising arm of the theater at that time. Yeah, so this is a, a time years before um, things like crowdfunding and various online initiatives, of course, that mm -hmm. we typically turn to to raise money today. Uh, it was very, we might look at it now as kind of old-fashioned fundraising methods, but what I find awfully impressive about this is they did all of this in the space of just under two years. Right. Um, Often large capital projects like this take considerably longer, but uh, they leveraged associations with uh, a number of prominent Ontarians. So, for instance, uh, former Premier Leslie Frost, who had only recently retired as the member of provincial parliament for Victoria County, uh, he got behind the project. So did uh, Thomas H.B. Simons, who was the founding president of Trent University which had just opened in the same year that the Academy Theatre Foundation was formed. He was also very supportive of their work, and uh, they also worked, um, the, the foundation that is, leveraged connections with the IODE, the Imperial Order of Daughters of the Empire, the local Kinsman Club, Lindsay Little Theatre, the Lindsay Lions Club, and the Lindsay Rotary Club, among others, to raise the $65,000 that was projected 
to be necessary to purchase and then restore the theater. That's that's something. It, it's an incredible story, really. And the fact that they saved this beautiful building um, from virtual ruin is so important because the cultural fabric fabric of, of the the arts community in this in this town relies so much on on the Academy Theater now. It's really quite something to hear that story. Ian, thank you very much for your time today. As always, we appreciate your efforts. Thank you. Continuing our discussion on vaudeville, the Academy enjoyed a long and lucrative run presenting vaudeville shows for about its first 30 years in existence. Almost all of these traveling shows came from the United States and were very popular with a wide audience base for several reasons. One, they were always clean, meaning there was never anything in these performances that would offend anyone. They could be attended, and often were, by whole families without fear of any of the material being offensive in any way. Two, they were inexpensive to attend. Most shows, unless it featured a huge headliner, would go for about 50 cents a ticket. Three, they were constantly changing. Each troupe would spend no more than a week in each city or town, even less than that in some cases, and then be replaced by a brand new show. Four, they featured a huge variety of talents, so there was always something for everyone in the shows. The types of acts that audiences would enjoy each week usually consisted of singers, dancers, short one-act plays, comedians, and specialty acts. The specialty performers could be anything from acrobats, high divers, strong men, and contortionists to mind readers and jugglers. This month, we're going to feature some of the great songs that were introduced during the heyday of vaudeville. Many of these tunes can still be heard today from time to time. Songs like... Won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Won't you come home? I cried the whole night long. I'll do the cooking, honey. I'll pay the rent. I know I done you wrong. Great songs. I really think Justin Bieber recorded that on his last album. I'm not sure, but I think he did. I'll just bet our resident ghost, Mary, has some wonderful songs from back then. How about it, Mary? Oh, you bet I do. By the light of the silvery moon, I'd like to spoon to my honey all croon loves to. Honeymoon, keep a shining in June. Your silvery beams will bring love dreams. We'll be cuddling soon by the silvery moon. Good for you. Here's another one. Casey would waltz with the strawberry blonde and the band played on it waltz round the floor with the girl he adored and the band played on 
And Mary, how about one more? We were sailing along on Moonlight Bay. We could hear the voices ringing. They seemed to say, you have stolen her heart. Now don't go away. As we sang love's old sweet song on Moonlight Bay, on Moonlight Bay. And we have maybe one more to go. Well, I'll be down to get you in taxi, honey. Better be ready about half past eight. Now, honey, don't you be late. I want to be there when the band starts playing. Remember when we get there, honey, two-step. We're going to have them all dance above my shoes. Where they play those general blues. Well, tomorrow night at the Darktown Strutters Ball. We'll be exploring more of the story of vaudeville in our next episode. Following the long tradition of great Christmas entertainment during the month of December, the Academy Theater is pleased to produce this year a uh, show called Christmas Spectacular featuring its star Pete Paquette, Pete and I were able to hook up via Zoom from his hotel room in Quebec City, where he is currently on tour with another show. Welcome, Pete. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Wonderful to be here. Great. Um, a little background on you, maybe, before we start about the actual Christmas show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, over the years, I've always been a singer. I've, I, I, I've, most people would probably remember me from doing the Elvis festivals. Uh, I've done the Collingwood Elvis Festival and, and all kinds of other uh, Elvis-related events uh, when I was younger in my early 20s. And uh, since then, it's been such a wonderful uh, roller coaster ride of creating our own shows. And, and uh, I used to do an Elvis Christmas show, but now we're doing a full variety uh, Christmas show. So as a singer and, and with my full band, uh, we've been doing this Christmas spectacular show now for a few years. And uh, it's just so good to be back, uh, to be doing you know, a live event once again. So I've just been an entertainer for, for the longest time now, and uh, I just enjoy it so much uh, singing for people. And of course, over the years, I've grown to meet a lot of different fans out there that, that come to our shows. And, uh, and here we are again uh, putting on this Christmas show, and we look forward to it. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, the Academy Theatre in Lindsay has a long history of great Christmas shows that have come through during the years. Have you played there before at the Academy? Yes, yes, many, many times. I'd say uh, it was actually one of our first few theaters. We, we started out about uh, 12 years ago. Uh, we went to the Flato Academy Theater um, in the past, and we've brought, you know, all kinds of different other shows, uh, whether it was the Bee Gees or Motown, or, and uh, we've done Christmas there, I, I believe, a few times. But uh, no, we're, I'm just thrilled, uh, you know, to be back with the Christmas show at the theater, and I think people will really, uh, really, really enjoy the show. It's really nice for the holidays. Okay, what can people expect when they they see you on December sixteenth? Well, ex everybody should expect uh, when they walk in. Just the the amount of the music we're going to be doing is all live. So my whole band, uh, all 
you know, 12 to 15 people on stage all together singing uh, some of the greatest Christmas carols and songs of very inspirations of all time. I could just name a few songs and it'll give you an idea. Sure. Uh, you know, from Elvis Presley's Blue Christmas to, you know, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah or John Lennon's Imagine. All these songs, What Christmas Means to Me, My Love, or uh, Put a Little Love in Your Heart, uh, you know, Santa Claus is Back in Town, some Buble classics that he's that he's recorded over time we're all doing them and i think that uh with a live band it just puts everybody in the christmas mood and uh, i'm sure if there's a song you love of christmas you might hear it that night <laughs> that's great and you also have some uh, some guest uh, appearances by some folks in your show Yes, following uh, always we've we've been working with the the Tonettes. Um, they're they're going to be joining us, Kathy and Marlene, the Tonettes, as well as special guest performance by Kay Howell, uh, a, an incredibly talented uh, piano player songwriter, uh, will be joining us uh, as a to sing some of their favorites as well. And of course, we're all going to be singing together at some point in the show. Um, just a fun time, and uh, if you're looking for a Christmas show that really has all the the music and the um, just the, the enjoyment of singing live in concert, come and check us out. It's a, it's a really great time and a great show. It sounds terrific. Thanks for joining us, Pete. Uh, folks can get tickets at the theater box office or through Ticketmaster. And good luck on the 16th. We'll look forward to seeing you. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we might see some people out there, and uh, and we look forward to it. Absolutely. All Thanks right. again. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. All Take right. care. Well, there you have it. Episode 2 is now in the books. We have so many people to thank. I want to thank Warren Frank, our producer and engineer here at the Boys and Girls Club. I want to thank Renee Frank, our ghost Mary. Also, many thanks to William McGinn, our social media guru here at the Boys and Girls Club. And another big shout out to the Chamber of Commerce of the City of Kawartha Lakes for being our very first sponsor. We really appreciate your support. And all our guests this month, we have had a great time putting this together. I want to remind you that we would love to hear from you. We want to hear your stories of the Academy, both as a participant on stage or as an audience member. You can contact us on our website, at nowandthenpodcast.net or email us at nowandthenpodcast at hotmail.com. We would love to hear your stories and we will be sharing some of these as we go forward. Thank you again for listening and support the arts. It is very important.